Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, episode 61. And, uh, Bill, playoffs are uh, literally around the corner. Around uh, the corner, and we'll know everything we need to know by Sunday night. Right. Uh, we know most of what we need to know. Um, but we're going to start off the show uh, with the mention of one of the greatest players that ever lived uh, is no longer with us. Hall of Fame third baseman uh, and probably a, more of a Hall of Fame human being. Brooks Robinson passed away at 86. Um, 23-year career, all spent in Baltimore. Uh, 1970 World Series, one of the most defensively dominated series by a single player in history. Um, and just uh, AL MVP in 64, uh, 18 All-Star t- games, um, and a work ethic that was, uh, well, I think it was when you think about Cal Ripken and Orioles and life and career, Cal was, uh, those two were synonymous with Oriole baseball. And, and um, I'm sure a lot of what Cal had instilled in him, hey, he got from watching Brooks as he grew up uh, an Oriole fan. Um, one of the probably one of the two to three best fielding third basemen to ever live um, could make every play. Uh, but but again, I, I got to know Mr. Robinson off the field and uh, I've never met anyone in the game around the game associated with the game that ever had a negative word to say about Brooks. He was a man's man. He was a good man. He was very, very involved in in uh, post career lives of athletes, uh, uh, players association work. Uh, he was always involved in uh, alumni Um and baseball's less today for for Brooks Robinson not being here anymore. So certainly a pass along condolences to the Oriole family, to the Robinson family, and to to Major League Baseball. Um, and then on to a guy who may someday be mentioned as one of the greatest to ever live. Uh, certainly, uh, and you've heard me. This is something I repeat. Seems like every couple of weeks. Anytime you're talking about somebody doing something for the first time ever in a sport that's over 100 years old, you're talking about something unique and special. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. uh, is the introductory member, the founding member of the 4070 Club, uh, 40 homers, 70 stolen bases. And uh, I'm not really sure... uh, that anybody could put it better than Marcel Ozuna did, uh, who said, I'm just, I just say three words, MVP, which is three letters, but okay. We know exactly what he meant. <laughs> um, you're talking about one of the greatest seasons ever. Um, Braves have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Well, they, they need another win. They'll get that before, before season ends. Um, and they'll end up being home field advantage. And we're going to talk about that in our playoff show. Because uh, it's not the uh, the edge you thought it might be, given the, their pitching staff. But uh, kudos to Ronald Acuna Jr. for doing something that's never been done before and uh, something we may never see again. Um, and some of the naysayers, Kurt, are talking 70 is because of the new rules and the big bases, but I, I rule that out. It, yeah. Only only two other guys had over 50 this year. So if well, it was so think, easy, why yeah. aren't there 20? Yeah, I, I think there are more players stealing more bases, but there aren't the upper tier of players are still because for the most part, anybody that steals 50 or more bases for in this day and age of sabermetrics does so with a very high success rate because they take 
their opportunities with the new rules. I think that that has probably resulted in more stolen bases overall, but I don't know that it's really done a, a lot. For, I mean, I, I guess the the what I would say is the stolen bases, I think, less rare these days. Probably, I don't know about less valuable, depending on the lineup you hit in. Um, but the 70 number is just an indicator of this guy's really fast and he has more. Like I said, the last guy for the Braves um, to steal. 70 bases was Otis Nixon in 1991. He stole 72. Uh, and notice Otis Nixon, I don't know that had 14 home runs in his career total, much less 41 in the season. So uh, pretty amazing. Uh, pretty amazing season by an amazing player. And yes, he is the uh, NL MVP uh, by a pretty wide margin, I would think. And that's not that's not to, de- to denigrate the NL re- race for MVP because there's a lot of good seasons being had. He's just having one that's unheard of. Um, flipping over to the American League, and this is the time of year when uh, teams that don't like each other, you tend to not have to look far and wide for for incidents and reasons. The Astros and Mariners are uh, are not friends, and they have cleared a couple times, two or three times, um, in recent memory. And uh, Hector Neris, um was cussing in Spanish at Julio Rodriguez. It was that bad. But apparently, Bill, you said you, you thought you saw why this well, happened. Well, earlier in the game, Chaz McCormick running to first base, trying to beat out an infield single, slapped the, the glove and hit the arm of the first baseman. of the, And I think that kind of started it out because next inning, McCormick came up and got plunked in the back. Right. Yeah, got and hit I, where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unmistakably being thrown at. Um. Uh. Yeah. The whole slap the ball out of your hand thing. I thought we kind of put that to bed with a Rod. Right. That's a stupid thing to do. It looks childish and it's against the rules. And, and there are plenty of cameras to catch anybody doing it. Yeah. So yeah, you're not going to do anything in private in a hotel lobby, much less on a baseball field on live TV. In in you know. I don't know. Some guys think they might have that inviso shield or something, but uh, he didn't, they didn't, and they don't like each other. Um, and Houston might not make the playoffs. Uh, and I would imagine if that happens, that that will be a very, very big story. Across the, uh, the way, oh, back to the NL, um, the Phillies clinched a uh, walk-off clinch by the way um and they're a team that in the playoff discussion that we're going to have that you're going to have to watch and pay attention to because there's uh there's something there with uh, nola and wheeler um leading that rotation um but they walked off uh and took they're going to take the five seed um and they'll i mean it's a new season, and when you're running those two guys out the top of your rotation, you tend to uh, to like your chances. There's somebody I know no one's going to really want to see, and we know Bryce Harper can hit in October too. So, And in uh, the wild card, they'll get the two home games, and with those two guys, right? I, I see them in the NLDS. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be uh, going to be interesting. Um, but they bring something to the table. Uh, in the way of power pitching. Um, so 
I wanted to uh, to touch base on a story that uh, probably, unfortunately, for a friend of mine who is a manager, uh, is just another chapter in what is going to be a sad story written about a sad season in San Diego. Um, so apparently on Monday, uh, Padre closer Josh Hader, he of the uh, uh, 31 saves, 1.19 ERA, and 81 punchouts in 53 innings, uh, was unavailable to pitch in the loss against the Giants. And uh, San Diego on Monday during this game was still in the playoff race. They were running a little bit of a streak, a good streak. They were up one nothing, four outs to go, and apparently Hayter was unavailable to come in and get those four outs. Uh, Robert Suarez came in, gave up two runs in the eighth. They lost two to one. Hayter has not pitched more than three outs in a regular season game since 2020. After the loss, Hayter explained his decision not to make himself available suggesting his choice came down to the team's current situation which if you're a San Diego fan you 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 look no farther to to that you have no one in that clubhouse who's actually a leader it's the situation that we are at he said are we in the playoff race and when he asked that question to reporters they were still in the playoff race uh hater continued it has nothing to do with the offseason see that's the problem i have uh, it has everything to do with the offseason, and you're looking towards free agency, and you don't want to get hurt. Just say it. Be a man and say it. Um, it's the now. It's the health. It's the making it through the entire season. 162 games is not an easy task to do. You guys see guys work overloads. They get injured. He's set to become a free agent, surprisingly. Um, but you know what? Enough, right? I mean, it is about the offseason. Just say it. Hey, listen, I'm becoming a free agent soon. Uh, we're out of it, and you know we've had a disappointing year. Whatever, just be truthful and honest because that's not what you were. Um, and this guy's going to be somebody will pay him a whole lot of money this winter to come and close for them. Um, and you could argue that his, uh, you know, you remember when they got him, Billy struggled big time for, for he a did. while, and could be part of the contributing fact set of factors as to why they aren't going to be in the playoffs. But uh, I just thought that that was uh, a very inconvenient, very uh, uncomfortable story. And it's also why the, one of the many reasons why the San Diego Padres are not in the playoffs this year. They do not have uh, a clubhouse presence or anyone in that clubhouse to allow uh, for those situations to resolve themselves because that never gets to the field. In a team with leadership in the clubhouse, that story never happens. And we've seen a lot of stories out of San Diego this year that wouldn't happen if the San Diego Padres had groups of people or somebody in that clubhouse other than a coach to to lead the way. And they clearly don't. And now I know there's discussion around Machado having surgery um, and all this other stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that uh, – you know, there where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's been a lot of discussion around Machado and this clubhouse stuff. And I'm going to say that that's not probably all I watch. There's some probably some truth to it. How much I don't know, but there's definitely going to be something there. Um. So yeah. So um. It's Friday, and. The postseason's two days away. We kind of have an idea. We're going to do a playoff preview. When are we going to – we're airing this uh, Monday next yeah, week? We'll. Uh, it'll drop Tuesday morning before any of the games are played. Right. 
So, and we'll go yeah, through all 12 we're, we're, of the teams. Yeah, we're talking about our playoff preview, guys. We're, it'll be... Uh... It'll be next uh, Monday, next Tuesday morning. It'll run before the playoffs. And we're just going to walk through the thing that I think matters most from a, is my team legit contenders commentary, which is uh, starting pitching, who you're starting, uh, who those starters are, what their past is, what their kind of peripheral numbers say. And you you need to go in uh, with two guys that you can count on, a one and a one A. And I think some of the strengths, some of the potentials for the playoffs are not who you think they are. Um, I would say this, Bill, going into the postseason. I think the Atlanta Braves are the only team that could possibly hit their way to a World Series in this mix of teams in contention. Uh, Initially, I thought maybe they were the team that didn't have to with the pitching they had, but with the amount of injuries they've got and the fact that that they made the uh, uh, you know, bringing an elder in, Bryce Elder, into your playoff mix is probably something that you don't want to do. Um, but we'll find out. So, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for today. We are going to uh, to uh, uh, put together a playoff preview for you guys to catch up with on Tuesday. So, uh, anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Outkick.com, uh, you can find us, spread the word, join the club, subscribe, follow, all the things that go with that. Bill, I will talk to you on uh, on Tuesday next week. Have a great weekend, brother.